and welcome to The Juice and the Squeeze. I'm Julia Strand, here as always with my wonderful co-host, Jonathan Peel. How you doing, Jonathan? I'm hanging in there, Julia. How are you? Um, I'm, I am also hanging in there. It has been a long academic year, and the trimester is just about wrapping up, and uh, the summer is looking, looking real nice. I feel bad. We took like a month off from recording. Uh, sorry, listeners. No, no, yeah, sorry, listeners. But I'm going to reframe that as uh, you and I are practicing what we preach a little bit, and uh-huh. um, you know, taking the time we need to take care of ourselves and preserve, you know, what's left of our sanity. So uh-huh. anyway, thank you for your patience with us, and uh, we're glad to be back today. And we'll make it up to you by sending you a sticker if you want one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So how do people how do people get a sticker, Julia? Juiceandsqueeze.net, fill out our little form, and I will pop one in the mail for you. And today is, um, after that long pause, we're, we're out of practice now, obviously. It's been a while. <laughs> uh, t- uh, today is episode What's 40. What is this thing? Right. Who are you? Um, uh, so uh, any of the notes for today's show will be at juiceandsqueeze.net slash 40. And our plan for today is to kind of wrap up some of our thoughts about teaching. Uh, but before that, we wanted to we'll have a little bit of banter and um, share some random thoughts and recommendations on things. And I'm going to start, Julia, uh, just to get the ball rolling, and but jump in whatever you want. Okay. Have, you, have you heard about Airtable? No. Airtable is a website and also um, phone app. Uh, that I'm just starting to play with. I heard it recommended on uh, on a podcast. It was actually it was on on Back to Work. Merlin was talking about this. It is a uh, it's like a graphical interface to databases. Now I know I know enough about databases that uh, I get grumpy when someone calls an Excel spreadsheet a database. Uh, and I know that databases have relations between tables that let you do really powerful things. And I have a book on a shelf at home that says, like, how to design a database. And I, I've never read it. Uh, and so, so all of which is to say I'm a novice at this. But Airtable makes it very easy to have tables of different records that link together um, for any kind of project you want. They've got a bunch of example example projects. So I've gotten really interested in this. I've been using it for uh, a couple of things, a little bit of podcast organizing. Um, Annoyingly, I've started to try to track the research things that I do. Uh, So I don't know about you, Julia, but every year I have to submit a, um, you know, kind of a progress report. Here are all the things that I did. Here are the grants I submitted. Here are the papers I I did. And every year I think I should really organize this better, but I don't. And I just go, I look at my CV and I try to look through my email and try to find all this stuff. So um, this year I'm trying to be more organized. And so when I submit a grant, it goes in a grants table. Um, but the, the, the power of databases is that you can have relationships between things. So if I have a manuscript that I've submitted and that was funded by a grant, I can link them together. Right. And so instead of just adding columns, uh, endless columns to uh, a spreadsheet, I can have a grants table and a papers table and link them together. And I could have a list of people in my lab, which is a different table, and I will who worked on the paper and they could get kind of pulled in. So it's a way of kind of making connections between different types of, of information, which I which I really like anyway. Uh-huh. Um, 
So I've, I, I'm not an expert, but I can recommend it. Um, there is a free plan, which is what I'm using, and then you can get fancy on on paid plans. But uh, anyway, very nicely done, and so far pretty useful. Sounds good. Do you have any? I, I have a I have a TV. I'm late to the party, but I also have a TV show recommendation. I um uh, I I just thought of one. Um, uh-huh. I just listened to a really good podcast. Uh, it's one of the thirty for thirty. We'll put include a link to it. Um, the episode is called On the Ice, and it's about the first ever all woman team to walk to the North Pole, Ooh. and it's amazing. What? I never thought I would want to walk to the North Pole, but I kind of do now. <laughs> what um what year did that happen? Um oh or, uh, like ballpark wait, even. Question 90s? Okay. Or, or late ni- late 90s, late 90s. Okay. But well, we we can leave that as an exercise to make people go listen to the, <laughs> the episode. Is it if I'm wrong, send me an email and let me know. No, maybe don't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that sounds, that sounds really interesting. I have a, I did, I, I probably didn't mention this before, but since you mentioned podcast, I'll re-recommend, uh, Poetry for All, uh, which yeah, is a yeah. podcast done by uh, a friend of mine and a, and a colleague. Um, they go, th- it, it, it's short. So it's like 15 minutes an episode. Uh, they read a poem, they talk about it and they read it again at the end. And so, um, I have not, uh, I mean, I, lo- I love reading, but I have not actually pulled up the poems to read. I just listen to them because I often mm-hmm. listen to this while I'm walking to work. And it's been um, it's been fun. It's been years since I've like read poetry or thought about it. And it's a different part of my brain, um, metaphorically, than, than other <laughs> things that I do. Uh, and so I've, I've just been, I've been enjoying that and they do a really nice job. So I can recommend that, too. I like to hear a neuroscientist say a different part of my brain. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, um, I don't. I have to say, I don't watch a lot of TV. I I do watch. I I, I watch TV like I'm doing dishes. And the problem is, if I if I get it, I I don't watch any good shows while I do that. I watch kind of like boring shows while I do that, so that I it doesn't distract me from doing work. And I probably should listen to podcasts instead. But just the habit I'm in is like. Like for a while, I would like watch The Office, which I've seen before, and I would just kind of binge watch through all nine seasons, and then I'd start over again or whatever. Um, but there was one show that I was saving for good, uh, and that was The Mandalorian, because yeah. I, 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 I'm I a Star Wars fan from way back in the day, and I, I watched a little bit, and I really I liked it, so I was like saving it for when I could like sit down on a real TV with when it was quiet and pay attention. And the problem with doing that was that I, like it took me like two years to watch it because I was like, I never had the chance. I finally, anyway, you don't, the details are boring, but I finally watched it. I finally finished um, season two and, and I really like it. Um, Have you, are you familiar with this? Yeah. I've seen a couple episodes. Mm -hmm. Okay. I got really into it um, for at least two reasons. One was that I, I really, I, I'm a sucker for anything Star Wars. I will probably watch anything Star Wars, but I, I did feel like they kind of got the, the feeling right about the universe in a way that a lot of the, a lot of the more recent movies I just haven't, I haven't gotten into because it just, they don't seem to have quite gotten it. So I, I like that. Uh, and, uh, and this was pointed out to me by a friend, but, um, I, th- I do think it's really interesting that the main character, the Mandalorian, who's this very um, 
kind of stereotypically strong, masculine, fighting type person is in the caretaker role of mm. of the child. Uh, and, and they do it in such a way that you, well, anyway, I didn't notice that at first until someone pointed it out. And then, and then I really like that part of it too, because it's sort of, uh, um, kind of breaking up some of the traditional stereotypical caretaking roles, which I thought was really cool. So anyway, so I big fan. I think it's, um, I really enjoyed it kind of on a, like a superficial level because there's star Wars stuff and also like on a, a little bit of a deeper level too. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I have one of those also, which is we just finished watching the first season of Ted Lasso. Mm, have, you, mm-hmm. have you seen Ted Lasso? Oh my gosh, that's it's the like next the best one. thing. That's the next it's one the on best. my list that I'm also saving for for good. So it's so good. Yes, okay. save it and savor it. Okay. It's super super funny. Char- main character is like amazingly charming, but mm-hmm. it also like deals with some big heavy stuff. Mm-hmm. It's so good. I, I recommend it so highly. I just okay. love it. Good. I actually like it has delighted me so much that I started a note of my like my phone app. Um, and I've just been like writing down quotes because I want to like look at them the next day and laugh about them again. It's like it's so charming. <laughs> I love it. OK. OK. So my homework will be uh, before we record again, whenever that is, I'll try to I'll try to get into it. Yeah. Yeah. OK. All right. So then the main topic of the, of the day is um, talking the kind of third installment in talking about teaching. So um, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about like our teaching philosophies and like big picture teaching stuff. Last time we talked about uh, the syllabus and what it's about and why we include it and why people don't read it. Um, and today we're going to get more into like the nitty gritty of how we implement things in, in our classrooms. Um, so Jonathan, should we start by like kind of giving the broad strokes of what a typical course for you looks like, or maybe we can, you know, each choose a class that is somewhat representative, even if not fully representative and and talk through that. Sure. I'll go first. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Okay. Um, uh, so anyway, so the, when we've been having these teaching discussions, I've been focusing on my, um, larger lecture class that I, I teach. So just to remind you all. I'm sure you all remember what my teaching is, but um, it's, so it's an it's a introduction to cognitive neuroscience class. So it's a um, ostensibly a lower level class, but I have like first year through seniors in it of all different backgrounds. Um, lately, I've been having about 200 students in class, and um, it's morphed from you know everyone get the textbook and we go through chapter by chapter, and now the way that I do it is there's no textbook we read primary research papers, um, have regular quizzes and exams. And so that part is kind of more, more traditional, but the point is it's a big class. And so there's, I don't have any, it's not writing intensive or anything like that. Um, yeah. And for the ones that I've been talking about, I've primarily been talking about my intro psych, which goes up to 35 students and sensation and perception, which is about the same, a little bit smaller sometimes. Um, and those I structure, I mean, like post pandemic, the way that I'm likely to structure them uh, uh, is that they do some reading um, on their own before class. Uh, I don't use a textbook, but I have kind of cobbled together either things that are free textbooks, primary sources, um, a, a, a big range of different kinds of readings. And then they do a quiz on the reading before they come to class, which is intended to ensure that they've actually like done the reading and are ready to participate. And then in class, I do a mix of lecture and group activities. So I'll lecture for a little bit and then have students work together in small groups to um, 
do problem set questions, try to figure out how what we have discussed applies to new situations or kind of, you know, take the next step of figuring out how to how to apply the content from from what they've read about and, and what we've talked about. So I lecture, but it's usually only kind of a maximum of like maybe 15 minutes of lecture in between breaking it up and doing this this group stuff. I like that a lot. I um, I typically lecture the whole time, which I hate. Pre-pandemic, I would have more group work, but um, at least when I was doing hybrid stuff, I was not. I did not incorporate any group work, partly because of a hybrid and partly because just dealing with that many students on Zoom and people being um, asynchronous and stuff. I didn't think it was yeah. realistic. So I don't know what I'm going to do like next year. I guess we'll just have to kind of see see where things are. But in principle, mm-hmm. I think that's a really I aspire to do that. Mm-hmm. What's um, what's your kind of philosophy about about readings? Like how much of what they read do you cover in class? How much do you expect they have like mastered what they've read before class, et cetera? Yeah, I I don't expect any mastery, uh, um, but I expect reading to be done. So uh, when I was first, the first few semesters that I taught, I had this, um, it, so much of this is like reinventing the wheel, right? Like I'm sure I, 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 these are not novel observations, but they were new to me because I hadn't, mm-hmm. I hadn't taught before. So I was like, okay, there's a textbook. Everyone will read the textbook. And then in class, I will build on that knowledge and tell them something new. Mm-hmm. And, and what I kept finding was uh, people were largely doing the readings um, in part because I had pop quizzes, uh, and so so they did the readings. But then there was a lot they didn't understand from the readings. So I had a lot of questions about the content of the readings. So then I kind of shifted to, and it, so for cognitive neuroscience, this is a lot of like example experiments that were in the in the chapter, and they just didn't quite get the explanation of the experiment. So then I shifted to from like you understand what you've read and I will build on it to you've read through it one time. Now I'm going to explain the most important parts again in class so they would get it. They would get it twice. But I, I did get disillusioned with that in the sense that I got very frustrated that things were not explained well enough in the textbook that I had to like, like part of it was just that like complicated things we should hear twice and that's useful. But Mm -hmm. I kind of came down on the side of the textbook was not doing a good job of explaining it. And so I was doing doing exactly your job textbook. So anyway, so that's one reason I stopped doing the textbook is I'm like, well, if they don't, if the students aren't really understanding it and I'm, I don't really enjoy reading the textbook, then, then what is it for? Um, So anyway, so yeah, so now we do primary research articles, which I uh, 50-50, some of them I will go over in class in detail, and some mm-hmm. of them I just I just say we've talked, but typically after a topic. So we've talked about a topic. You now understand the topic. Here, go read one more paper on the topic. And those mm-hmm. those I tend not to to go over in class so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how about you? Yeah, I, I tend to try to have what they read about and what we talk about in class be, um, be complimentary and, and not, not redundant. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the readings that I include, I, I tend to choose readings that are pretty short and I make it very clear to the students that like, look at this, there's only, you know, however many pages of reading, it's pretty short. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reason that I'm doing that is because I want you to really do it and mm-hmm. not just like read through it fast, but I want you to like take notes 
and you know think about how it connects to other things and 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 like take it slow um because i would rather have students really devote themselves to less content than be in a situation where it feels like they've just skimmed a bunch of stuff but haven't really kind of you know sat on it at mm-hmm, all mm-hmm. Um, and, and the way that I have done quizzes in the past is to have, have reading quizzes that are, um, you know, that, that cover what was in the reading at a not terribly deep level. You know, it's basically just like the quiz is an incentive for students to actually do the reading, a check on whether they understand what they're supposed to, um, and a way for me to gauge um, where, if, if there are things that were really unclear in the reading that we need to go over again. Mm-hmm. And the way that I have them do the quizzes is the the way that it's set up in our course management software is that they're adaptive such that they have to answer every question until they get it right. But the the system, you know, keeps track of how many times it takes them to get a right answer, which is how their 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 grade is done. Um, but I actually I think I'm going to do it differently post pandemic, um, in part as a function of this this class that I've been team teaching. Um, and one of my wonderful colleagues uh, does these kind of pre class things differently. And so we tried it out her way. And it's awesome. And I think I'm going to do it. So she includes um, rather than rather than calling it a quiz, they're called warm up questions. And they're they're typically not like multiple choice. They're typically um, uh, like like short answer questions. Mm -hmm. And they are intended to not not be as much like a, a did you get the facts out of the reading as let's get you geared up to start thinking about the stuff that we're going to talk about in class. And, you know, a lot of that's going to come from the reading. But so so there are um, some questions that are like real tricky puzzlers that we will spend time working on in class. But but we want them to get started thinking about them and come up with some ideas mm-hmm. just to kind of get their wheels turning. Some of them are, you know, summarize or what what did you find? What did you think was the most compelling argument for XYZ in this reading and why, you know, so it's stuff that they have to like really think through. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, and then also on every, on every um, warm up for, for each day, there's also a question that is, what was unclear? What are you confused about? What's tricky? What are you stuck on? What do you hope we spend more time on in class, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've really appreciated that because rather than using like multiple choice responses as a way to get a sense of what people are, stuck on um you can just ask them Mm -hmm. um and you know and sometimes they'll say things like i thought this reading was really cool but i just really didn't get this one part and i hope we can talk about that more and Mm -hmm. you know and those are those are really informative to hear too Mm -hmm. um and then they are basically just uh pass fail graded you know and if you miss more than four it starts to count against you um uh so the idea is not that they're like trying to get perfect answers every time but just that they're starting to think about it. Right. And if they haven't done the reading, they're not going to be able to do it at all. Right. So I think I'm going to switch over to, to doing it that way in the future. Did, and remind me, was this class um, synchronous? Yeah. Or, or, and, and do you think this would work or some version of this would work as well, you know, asynchronously? I do. I mean, the, like, what do you hope we spend more time on in class thing mm-hmm. is a little bit is a little bit tricky. Um, but but yeah, I think it could I think it could work. Mm-hmm. Pretty well, maybe not as well, but pretty well. Mm-hmm. So what I've, I know I've mentioned this before, but um, what I've been doing for readings for a couple of years is a perusal um, mm-hmm. and perusal is a, 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 you know, it's a website um, 
uh, is free to use if you upload your own PDF documents. And so I upload um, the readings that are, you know, for the day. And then um, the, but the whole point is people can sort of comment and, and discuss and kind of collaboratively read them. Uh, and the benefit is that perusal will track your reading, their reading time and also how many comments they make. And so mm-hmm. at a very, it's more complicated and, 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 I, but I don't want to get into it right now. But like at a very basic level, uh, people get points for making comments. And if you make enough comments, you get full credit. And so mm-hmm. it's a way of like I was really giving quizzes um, just for the purpose of incentivizing the reading. And, if, yeah. you know, and, and so whether it's checking understanding or whether it was general, but it was just like to make sure they did it before class. This is another way where I don't have to have a quiz, but there's still a component to their grade. You know, I mean, a, a nicer way to say it is their their grade is rewarded for spending time on the reading. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's actually worked pretty well. It takes them usually two or maybe even three assignments before they get comfortable with it. Um, mm-hmm. And be- a perusal is uh, intentionally vague a little bit about what you what counts for points, because the point is not for you to game the system and do the bare minimum. The point mm-hmm. is for you to try to engage with it, uh, you know, honestly and do your best. And probably that will be fine. Uh, and mm-hmm. so and so it takes people a while to kind of trust that, yes, it will be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I've really liked that for readings. And so, I have not done any since I've been using perusal. That's been the both the um, getting feedback and questions because I can look at people's comments too. So if people highlight a passage and say I don't understand this, I can then talk about that in in class. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's nice. Uh, which has been good. So then 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 quizzes have just been more on on focused on you know kind of class topics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I um so so perusal sounds like a, a way of doing a in a PDF kind of discussion forum, mm-hmm. which is which is also something that I've done before. You know, like you have to post comments and respond to other people's comments on on Moodle and whatnot. Um, and um, the thing that the thing that I have often not liked about that is that the students who post last off or you know or near the end will often say everybody already said all the things that I thought of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now I'm just like making this kind of dumb comment that I know is kind of dumb because the stuff that I actually wanted to talk about had already been said. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, so I like, I like the warm up questions because everybody's just doing their own, you know, they're, they're not engaging with other people's. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they don't know if they're all saying the same thing, but, but they're, they're fine with that if they are. Right. Um, and, and I also like, I just don't find the online discussions to be, I don't know, like I, I wouldn't want to do them. And mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I'm, <laughs> that's one of the things that I think about of like, you know, should I assign this reading? Well, like I didn't enjoy reading this and I didn't learn very much from it. So I, I mean, right. obviously I would never right. assign one like that, but, yeah. um, well, right. that was so, like why I get rid of the textbook. Right. Because I was yeah, like, right. I'm not reading this every time and why should I make them do it? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I like Wait, that. Being, being in this team taught class um, and having to learn disciplines that I didn't know anything about has really given me like a newfound appreciation for the challenges of being a student. Mm-hmm. Being like, wow, this I, this reading is hard. I, I have to do it slowly and like Google stuff while I'm doing it. And mm-hmm. it's a good reminder. Yeah. I mean, 
for a time after I was done with being a student, I still felt like I kind of remembered it. You know, it was whatever, as a postdoc or something, I was like, I kind of remember what classes were like. And I kind of felt like I was still, I had some residual memory, but now it's all gone. And I feel like I've really lost touch with that perspective. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I think I can imagine it would be valuable just to sit on the other side of the podium or whatever the metaphor is, you know, for a semester. And, And also... Also, it's so useful for, like, just seeing other people do the same craft. I, I think I mentioned this last time, too, but, like, teaching is so weird in that we never see other people do our job. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, yep. in most jobs, you're, like, a big a big part of it is you see how other people do it and learn from them. And, you know, beyond kind of introductory training, most of us are just, like, go figure it out mm-hmm. without, without much in the way of, like, peer observation. Right. What... What's your um, so I, one thing I do want to talk about a little bit of sort of like grading, um, grading type stuff. And so, mm-hmm. you know, what's your do you have do you have a philosophy on grading or how do you how do you handle that? And, and particularly what I want to get to is is how do you handle flexibility for students who who need it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I, I try to have as much of the grading as possible be focused on mastery of the content and and not on um uh so there was a while where I was really keen to like include grades for participation and and I still see some advantages to that but I've also really become aware of how much what we talk about as as participation is uh, um uh easiest to achieve when you have a particular type of personality and are from a particular cultural background. Mm -hmm. And I want to be very careful that I'm not like building in if you're an extrovert and you are, you know, if if you're, if you're outgoing by nature and then also you're comfortable in a college classroom because you went to a good high school and were well-prepared and, you know, that that grading, grading on participation, I feel like can skew against first gen college students, international students, um, students who are less comfortable speaking up in a white majority classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I really like kind of struggled because on the one hand, I want people to participate and I want them to be engaged, but I'm worried about about tying grading mm-hmm. in with that. Mm-hmm. Um and then in terms of flexibility, uh, I'm going to assume that f- few enough of my current students are listening or would want to game the system or anything like that. And I will just <laughs> happily say, uh-huh. I am I am so happy to be flexible with students and, you know, work with them on <laughs> whatever they need. I, I, I like especially in the last especially in the last year, seeing everybody's lives fall apart and everybody like try to hold it together through really mm-hmm. difficult circumstances. Um I feel like I'm I'm very lucky with the the kinds of students who are at Carleton that I I don't think I get played very often. Uh, so mm-hmm. I don't I don't think many don't people are mm-hmm. making up dead grandparents or anything like that. So I really don't worry about that. I trust students when they tell me that they're having issues, and I don't make them tell me more than they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very fortunate that it's a small enough group that it's easy for me to like 
kind of do things on a, on a case-by-case basis, um, especially after early on in the class explaining how you ask for extensions and the circumstances under which you do it to, to not just, you know, fall into hidden curriculum. Mm-hmm. Only the people who know to ask get help. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also um, our classes are small enough and the way that teaching works at Carleton is, is such that if somebody misses an assignment or misses a couple of classes in a row or something, I will, I notice that and we'll reach out immediately. So it doesn't have to be like, it doesn't have to be waiting for them to come to me about something. You know, mm-hmm. it's a um, pretty, pretty, um, what's the right word? The phrase that's coming to mind is high touch, but that doesn't seem right. <laughs> Wait, you know, but you're, like you're proactive. Contact. Yes. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and so then, and th- then I also try to build in, um, uh, flexibility into the system that everybody gets. So just being like, I'm just going to drop the lowest three quizzes. If you don't do three of them, those count as your drops. Like mm-hmm. you don't have to ask. I'm just doing that. Um, mm-hmm. Also, like at some point in term, you can have a 24 hour extension on a paper or something like that, you know, um, it, so that those are explicit and in writing and built in and, and they don't, they don't have to ask. Mm-hmm. How about you? Yeah. So I think when I, um, so I was very fortunate that as, well, well, I guess, well, I was fortunate as a student. So I never had any big personal issues, uh, during my undergraduate years. I, so I had normal, normal stuff. I, I mean, I had a cold or whatever. I didn't, I didn't have any major personal or family issues that caused me to need flexibility. So I have not experienced this from the student perspective. So I've only, you know, seen it from the professor perspective. And I think over the years, um, listening to students, but even more so um, uh, being exposed to lots of different perspectives on Twitter um, has really helped me to be, I think, more understanding and more more flexible. So I'm going to um, I'm going to give some examples. None of these are like actual verbatim examples. They're all slightly made up just for for illustration purposes. So, uh, you know, my first semester teaching, I had 50 students in class uh, and I didn't really have much flexibility built in. And, um, you know, for one of the exams, one person would come up and say, well, I have a a med school interview that day. Can I take, can I take a makeup? I'd say, oh, sure. And then the next exam, someone says, well, you know, my um, grandparent passed away. I have to be out of town. I said, sure. And then, you know, but then for the next exam, someone said, well, it's not a family member, but they were a close family friend. Can I can I be out? I was, well, sure, I don't want to be a jerk. But, you know, like, where do you draw the line? Um, and at mm-hmm. some point, people started to ask me things that I was, like, a little bit uncomfortable with. And again, I'm making this up, but it was the the family pet uh, that was a, a friend of theirs with their family pet died. And could they go home and for the funeral? And, I, I, you know, I... I, I felt very uncomfortable drawing the line because I who am I to judge what's the good excuse and what's not? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also saw this Twitter discussion, which I thought was was really eye opening for me. Um, that really helped convince me it's really none of my business. And so mm-hmm. it, uh, it, it was it was it was in this. Um, there is a sort of meme about students saying they they had a grandparent pass away and professors not always believing them. And one of the comments was, "Well, let's pretend that you." you were sexually assaulted 
and weren't comfortable doing a test, but you don't want to tell your professor that. And there's a million mm -hmm. reasons why you wouldn't want to share that and it's none of their business. What's a socially acceptable way to say, I can't take the test, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so that really, that hit me pretty hard because there's, you know, obviously there's lots of other examples of things that aren't my business. And um, not only kind of morally, it's not my business, but now that I have 200 students in class, I literally don't have time to necessarily listen to all of these, even if I wanted to, which I don't want to, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, so that all of that really pushed me towards trying to build in enough flexibility that, um, you know, everyone got the same benefit without having to ask for it. Also, because yep. because it's not my business and because it tends to favor then people, people, if you have, if you, people have to ask, it favors people who are comfortable asking. And yep. I also didn't like that. So, um, which is a long way of saying I kind of come to what a lot of people do. You know, there's four exams. I dropped the lowest exam. Uh, you know, I dropped the lowest third of quizzes. I dropped the lowest third of reading. So basically like I dropped kind of a third of almost everything. Um, mm -hmm. and, and so the, so what's happened is basically I get no requests for, for flexibility, um, mm -hmm. which helps me out. And also it tells me that, that I'm covering a lot of, a lot of cases. And then I have had a couple of, um, well, m several students over the past few years who've had like really significant health issues, whether it's mental health or physical health. Um, and actually, uh, I think in every case, like the built in flexibility was enough to cover their extreme issues, mm -hmm. which is not to yep. say I wouldn't be willing to be even more flexible. Like I try to emphasize, I'm not, you know, I'm not a monster. If you get hit by a bus, like, and you've already, anyway, we've already missed something for a good reason, like come talk to me and we can be flexible, but I haven't actually had to do that. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's also made me feel better. Not to say that everyone who's struggling always gets like a hundred percent average, but like, People tend to do very well, and even people who struggle tend to do very well just with the built-in flexibility. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. So so there's always there are always people who who um, feel it's unfair because if if you are a student who is like I was and didn't don't have any significant challenges, then you can kind of coast for the end of the semester because you can just like drop all of the later you know grades or whatever. Mm -hmm. And if you're someone who struggles, you can't coast right so there is still it's not it's not equal experiences but i also you know i don't know i feel like it's a good balance yeah yeah that's that's it's a nice it's a nice way of doing it and i see how that can like <clears throat> make it more equitable in terms of not making people not making people ask mm -hmm. but i also but yeah anyway but i also i mean partly is because i for practical reasons i i don't feel like i'm able to keep up with people or have personal relationships in this big of yeah, a class. I mean, and so yeah. I think if you have that option, that that also, I mean, you know, there's other ways to do it, right? Like, for, so for you, I think you probably know when your students are struggling more than I do and, and can handle mm -hmm. it more individually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and I, I you know, one of, the, one of the things that I also work with my students on is, um, I, I think um, the goal is, in terms, uh, the fact that there is inequity in who asks, the goal I think is is not to try to get the people who are willing to ask to ask less, but to help in you know in part to teach the people who don't know how to ask how yeah. to ask, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I mean, and 
I don't, there's a lot to be said there about equity in the classroom. But mm-hmm. but the point that I want to make is, you know, when I when I have students come to me and say, I've never asked for an extension before, but I'm really struggling. Can I have an extension? Uh, the first thing that I say is, I'm really proud of you for asking for what you need. Mm-hmm. The second thing I say is, yes, you may have that extension. Um, because I feel like, you know, asking asking for special treatment is hard, mm-hmm. which is why we don't want to rely on people doing it. Um, but but if they do it, it, it don't, like it shouldn't be any scarier. Like once they have worked up the nerve to do it, that should be all the scary it has to be. Um, and so... And I and I also tell them like I'm proud of you for knowing what your limits are and knowing when to ask for help and knowing you know mm-hmm, that this is the mm-hmm. right thing to do to ask for help and doing this instead of staying up all night and making yourself miserable and you know and and all of that because I feel like kind of trying to build in that um, build in taking care of yourself and like reinforcing that it's important to do that and it's okay to do that and not everybody like it's impossible to do everything perfectly all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I also try to model that. So there have been times this term, uh, so there's, there's one day this term where I canceled lab meeting just because I was super overwhelmed and had like, I like just was not up for it. It was also on a, a really hard, um, hard news day. Um, and, and I, I pitched it, I mean, like, you know, when I talked to my students about it, I was like, sometimes the way you take care of yourself is by backing out of your obligations. Shouldn't be the way you handle it all the time, hopefully. But like, Mm -hmm. sometimes if you, you know, if you, sometimes you can't do the work. And, um, and I, you know, I think that's a good thing for them to see, too, Mm -hmm. to know that, like, it's okay to be a human Mm -hmm. in addition to a, you know, cog in a working machine. Right. Right. Yeah. The way that I've handled like extensions and like I said, I don't have a lot of, well, anyway, lately I haven't had any writing, but what what I have done, I stole from a professor that I had. um, And I actually, I I kind of like this um, also compromise uh, again, you know, anyway. So again, this is like the policy so that I hopefully don't have to adjust anything for individuals. Um, But it's that, uh, you know, if stuff is on time, it's fine. If it's late, uh, you get some penalty, but it doesn't increase. So it's like a, mm-hmm. you know, fifteen or twenty percent, you know, or a, a, whatever a grade level deduction. But that could be like one minute late or like two weeks late. Like if you need mm-hmm. time, take it and try not to stress. But you, there is a benefit to getting stuff in on time because nice, in yeah. real life, like I do struggle with this too, right? Like I, I may want people to be happy and live their lives and not overly stress about stuff, but. It's not really the hidden curriculum, but it's the non-academic curriculum is like mm-hmm. in real life, like there are deadlines and you do have to manage them. And like, yes, you can file for an extension on your taxes, but like, you, I don't know, it's good just mm-hmm. to get your taxes done by by the deadline. So so I think I try to try to, you know, balance a little bit the being really explicit about about what flexibility there is, but then also holding to some boundary, which is just hopefully a bigger boundary than than maybe other people hold to. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I get a lot of, I do get a lot of positive feedback from students um, every semester, but especially like during pandemic times about the, the dropped grades and the flexibility mm-hmm. and so on, which mm-hmm. I think is good. Some of them say things like, 
it's great to have a professor. Like you realize we have other stuff in our lives besides your class. And my other professors don't realize that. And of course, their other professors do realize that. But the point is that they don't really feel like their the students don't necessarily feel like their needs are are accounted for, I think, is what Mm -hmm. that means, Um, Mm -hmm. which is just like a good overall point to, you know, to keep in mind. Yeah. And um, uh, when a lot of the contact that you have with students is people telling you that they have to have, you know, they that they have something that they have to do instead of taking your test or something, for instance, mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. I understand that if you're getting a ton of emails that are like, but can I have special circumstances? But can I have special circumstances that that can make professors like, frustrated and grouchy about why their best laid plans aren't, mm-hmm. you know, aren't, aren't working out well. Um, and I think that's what leads to faculty like being very inflexible. strict, yeah. inflexible, um, you know, mean sometimes too. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever I see like people, you know, making fun of excuses about grandparent deaths and things, it, it, it really just makes me cringe because I feel like a huge part of good teaching is empathy. Mm-hmm. And it, both in terms of like, what do these people know already? And how can I get them to, you know, learning the things that I want them to? So like thinking about where they're coming from and how to, you know, how to build on that. Um, but and also empathy in terms of like, is this dead boring? Like, am I are they are they just clawing their eyes out because they're so sick of listening to me talk? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also empathy in terms of our classes are just a really small part of their super complicated lives. And the stuff that to us seems silly and like it's not a big deal might be a super big deal to them. You know, like mm-hmm. I've also heard faculty like make fun of students having roommate issues or something like that. And it's like, imagine like the most important person in your day to day world. You're like you're fighting with them. Mm-hmm. It's it's different than fighting with a spouse, but it doesn't feel different to them. Right. Because right. it's like right. the person they live with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, yeah, any any opportunities that we can have to remind ourselves to, to be empathic, I think. I think are so useful. Um, And one of the things that does that the best for me is knowing students outside of the classroom, right? So this works the most with my lab students that when I have them over for dinner or we meet for coffee or whatever, and they talk about all of the other things that are going on in their lives, it's like impossible for me to just think of them as a student ID number who is getting their assignment in late, right? Mm -hmm, It's like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, things are complicated and you do have a lot going on. And, you know, and like... Also, the things that they worry about, I'm so glad I'm a grown-up. Like, I'm so glad I'm not a student anymore. Imagine being super worried about, I mean, all the things they worry about. But, you know, like Mm -hmm. like what you're going to do for a job in a month when you get kicked out of college and you're Mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, yeah, I haven't worried about what I'm going to do for a job in a while. And that must suck. So Mm -hmm. let's be kind to one another. That's what I (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's where I am. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, it does. I mean, you know, again, I've been very lucky, too. And I've um, um, even in the larger classes where I don't get to know the students individually, um, usually very well. And and this semester, like at all, um, Mm -hmm. I actually feel like, um, you know, as a group, they appreciate 
again, based on comments that they make, they appreciate the flexibility. And it also means that they've been very kind to me. If I don't have my act together all the time, or if I end up changing stuff, I think they're willing to, we've built up some kind of like communal trust that like, I kind of trust them to like, listen to what I say and try. And they Mm -hmm. trust me that like, I'm not gonna, you know, I don't know, like, anyway screw them over in some sneaky way like you know like whatever i said the test was due one day and then it shows up as a different day like i'll change it because i Mm -hmm. made a mistake and like they kind of trust that Mm -hmm. yeah building that like making it clear that you are thinking about them and care about them Mm -hmm. it goes so far and and also to be clear like a big part of that is making it clear that you are thinking about them and caring about them. Like thinking about them and caring about them is not enough. If like it is, it is not apparent. You don't in communicate your it. And your, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think there, you know, as we've kind of pointed out, there are a couple ways to do that. One is um, structurally in how you mm-hmm. set up the course. And I think I've probably, I've again, because, because of reasons I felt like that's the easiest way I have. And so that's why I try, everyone gets the same deal, but hopefully it's a fair deal. And I try to communicate that, but then also, and this is thanks to you, Julia. So we haven't really done like a, 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 a Slack postmortem. Um, but you know, we have a class Slack workspace and I, um, try to intentionally now they engage socially a bit, not as much as I would have liked, but like, we had a recipes channel and like they posted their favorite recipes and I did too. Mm -hmm. And like, I would post pictures of my kids to the random channel and like, Hey, here's, here's a goofy picture of my daughter, whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. and so again, like if you want, you know, if I would like to get to know them as people outside the classroom, I also have to model that and say, Hey, look, I'm not just your professor on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Like, here's what I do the rest of the time. Here's my family. Here's stuff that I care about. Here's a funny mm-hmm. tweet that Julia posted, whatever, something mm-hmm. to try to, you know, be, be, be a little bit more of a real person. Yeah. And, and that also goes, I think a long way in building empathy the other way too. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. Like, yep. I am also doing my best team and it is also hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing I, 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 well, I have not again in the big in the big lecture classroom, especially hybrid and mostly remote and all that. I did not get a lot of feedback this semester from from students on how they were doing. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people were struggling, um, but that was just me like kind of mind reading and guessing, and I think I was right. So there there are two. Uh, so I would have li- I would have liked it if people would get on Slack and say, I'm really having a hard time this week. How about you guys? And they would all support each other. And that never happened. Um, and I yeah. understandably, but whatever, it d- didn't happen. So so two things I did to kind of circumvent that. Uh, one is I would try to explicitly say things like, um, say verbally and also in writing, like on, on Slack, I would say things like, I know this is a really hard time for a lot of you, hang in there, or here's a thing that I'm going to do to help, or what, here's something that helped me, something like that. So at least I'm I'm having both sides of the conversation, which is kind of awkward, but I think saying out loud that I know you guys are, many of you are struggling or, or whatever, helps them to to know that I think that. Yeah. Uh, Mm -hmm. As you said, I can think that in my heart, but if I don't tell them, it's not very helpful. Um, The other thing is, uh, and I started, I should do this every semester, but I started um, last year with 
kind of COVID stuff is sending out a very open-ended anonymous survey that has questions like, what are your biggest worries about the upcoming semester? You know, it could be class or not. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, how are you doing on a scale of, you know, whatever, horrible to fine. Um, And there's not always um, things I can do about that. But again, reading the range of responses really helps me to have empathy. And um, anyway, and so that a lot of that. So like, for example, one of the questions was about, do you have regular internet access? And you kind of assume, many of us might assume that the answer would have to be yes, or how could you participate remotely? But a lot of the students were like, I'm not sure. And so now what do I do about that? If it's anonymous and whatever, I can try to say, I can say, Hey, here's a, here's a college phone number to call for help. I don't know if that's very helpful, but like one thing I did was all of my uh, assignments, you know, you could have multiple submissions and you had a week to work on them. And like like the, the time was very flexible. And that way, if you only had limited time where you could get online, you weren't punished for that, or at least not, not as much as you would have been. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that was also a very one-way communication, but at least I got some some feedback, and I think they also appreciated the fact that I asked because, sadly, I think a lot of um, professors don't ask. Mm-hmm. It also, I mean, I think is is useful in kind of um, overcoming pluralistic ignorance and show and making where in in which students think that like they're the only one who is struggling or having mm-hmm. a hard time or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, mm-hmm. so if you say like boy, I read those over and it sounds like a lot of people are having a hard time and here's what, you know, we can do about it or whatever. Um, just as, yeah, as a way of signaling, like you are not alone. Things are hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny when we, um, we were talking about doing this third episode on teaching and I was like, boy, I don't know if this is quite the right, like time of year for me to be doing this after like the hardest year of teaching ever. Mm-hmm. Is that true? I don't know. The first one was hard too. Oh, and the first one after babies was hard, but this one was, you know, <laughs> hard in hard different in a ways. Unique set mm-hmm. of ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, this like, I'm so excited to teach in person again. Mm-hmm. So excited to be back in a classroom. And this has kind of helped uh, kickstart that again for me. So, well, I, yeah, well. I'm hoping, you know, a lot of people will be planning or reworking classes over the summer. Um, I mean, I will mm-hmm. be also. And so this is kind of helpful to think about now. Um, for the fall, whatever the fall looks like. So yeah, yep. Yeah. All right, Julia, should we wrap it up? That sounds good. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll uh, talk to you next time. All right, bye. Bye.